Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Key Reese. And I'm Laura Brodnick. And today is our 400th episode. I cannot believe it. You look good for 400, by the way. Oh, thank you so much for my back <laughs> at you. I can't believe it either. It's making me a little bit of moj. I know. Well, I think many hundreds of episodes staring at each other through lockdown, through COVID, through different states, through interviewing celebs. Are you actually tearing I up? I am, Dorian. I'm so, oh my oh, God, I'm such buddy. a lame No, it's cute. There's no one else I'd rather do 400 X with. Oh my God, stop it. I told you. Oh my gosh. Okay, anyway, on today's show, <clears throat> Piers Morgan has sensationally quit Good Morning Britain following his comments about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's bombshell interview with Oprah. But when you look back at their relationship, there is a twisted backstory to his actions. Before we jump into that, let's do the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Well, the BAFTA Film Award nominations for 2021 have been released today. And to use some tabloid language for a bit of fun, the results have left people reeling. So in the biggest shock to come out of the BAFTA nominations, and for anyone who doesn't know, that's like the British version of the Oscars. It's very fancy. Is that all the front runners, so all the actors and actresses who have been winning at all the other award shows, the ones who are all the front runners to win at the Oscars, have been left off the list. So this is including names like Viola Davis, Carrie Mulligan, Amanda Seyfried, Sasha Baron Coleman, Olivia Coleman, Glenn Close, and Gary Oldman. But there's actually some good news to this shocking twist, as people are calling it, and that is that this is actually the most diverse nominations list that the BAFTAs have ever had, with 16 out of the 24 acting nominees this year coming from ethnic minority groups. So if you remember last year, there was a lot of pressure and a lot of backlash towards the nominations because they were all white nominees, and it kind of showed this huge problem within the British film industry. So this year, there's been a significant swing in the other direction, with Daniel Kaluuya, Riz Ahmed, Dominic Fishback, Taharahim and Bucky Bakray among the 16 nominees. So all the winners will be announced at a ceremony that will take place without a live audience on 11th of April. And in other news, Selena Gomez covers the new issue of Vogue magazine. And in the accompanying profile piece, she explains why she sees herself leading more into acting and producing, like she did most recently with the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why, more so than music in the future. In an interview entitled Selena Gomez on politics, faith and making the music of her career, she said, it's hard to keep doing music when people don't necessarily take you seriously. I've had moments where I've been like, what's the point? Why do I keep doing this? Lose You to Love Me, I felt was the best song I've ever released. And for some people, it still wasn't enough. I think there's a lot of people out there who enjoy my music. And for that, I'm so thankful. For that, I keep going, but next time I do an album, it'll be different. I want to give it one last try before I retire from music. And if you want to read the full interview, it's on Vogue.com. 
Well, finishing it off with some exciting news. So last month, American TV network, the CW, announced that it had ordered a live-action pilot of The Powerpuff Girls, Blast from the Past, honeys, from Juno and young adult writer Diablo Cody. And today it was announced that the show had found its three leads. So we have confirmed that Chloe Bennett, who currently stars in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and she is playing Blossom. Then we have former Disney and Descendants star Dove Cameron, who's starring as Bubbles. And then Yana Perro, who is starring in the Broadway show of Jagged Little Pill, and she'll be playing Buttercup. So the series picks up with the girls who used to be America's pint-sized superheroes, and now they're disillusioned 20-somethings who resent having lost their childhood to crime fighting. But will they come together to save the world? I guess we're going to find out. So interestingly, the executive producers on the show have credits on shows like The Flash and also um, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So a lot of people feel that this reboot is going to move far away from the original Cartoon Network version and be more like an edgy Riverdale, which I think we can Do all get excited about. you say The Flash, about. right? That is one of my favourite TV shows I, of all time. I put it in there I for am, you. Thank you. I'm here for this. Love Diablo <laughs> Cody. I'm actually, okay, I wasn't excited when you first brought this up, but yes. I feel like this show is tailor-made for I me. I know, because when I was reading into it, I was like, oh my God, I'm adding that in because Laura Brunning is going to be so excited about it. So the other really exciting thing about this is that it's a full circle moment for Dove Cameron, who today reposted posted a tweet that she put out back in 2013, which read, I really just want to play Bubbles in a live action Powerpuff Girls movie. And today she added three exclamation points. She then tweeted, I cannot wait for you guys to see the show. The script is unreal. I don't think I've ever laughed out loud so much reading anything without giving anything away. As a huge fan of this cartoon, the script is my true fantasy. Stay tuned. And that we will, Dove Cameron. Don't you worry about that. The fallout following Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's bombshell interview with Oprah has dominated news headlines globally, with revelations that an unnamed member of the royal family had approached Harry with concern as to how dark their son Archie's skin might be when he was born and Meghan's admission that she felt suicidal and that the palace officials refused her request for medical help. Today, the Queen issued a response to the couple's accusations. The statement reads, The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Meghan and Harry. The issues raised, particularly those of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan and Archie will always be much-loved family members. In an interview with Good Morning Britain, Meghan's estranged father, Thomas Markle, criticised the timing of the interview, saying, They went way over the top. They should have waited considering the Queen's age and Prince Philip's age. He also said he did not believe the royal family were racist, but that the comments should be investigated and revealed he had not spoken to his daughter since before her wedding back in 2018. In an interview with Inside Edition, half-sister Samantha Markle said, Depression is not an excuse for treating people like dishrags and disposing of them. And yesterday, longtime critic of Meghan, British broadcaster and media personality Piers Morgan weighed in, unsurprisingly showing little compassion for the couple. I'm angry to the point of bawling over today. I'm sickened by what I've just had to watch. Okay. This is a two-hour trash-a-thon of our royal family, of the monarchy, of everything the Queen has worked so hard for, and it's all been done as Prince Philip lies in hospital. I'm not taking anything they said at face value, I'm afraid. I think it's completely self-serving. But the response that everyone is talking about today is that of Good Morning Britain presenter Alex Beresford, who had had enough of his co-presenter Piers Morgan's excessive criticism of Harry and particularly Meghan. 
She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. Okay, I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry, no. Oh, Sorry. Do you know what? That's pathetic. You can trash me, maybe not my no, own. No, no, no. See I'm, you later. I'm being. Sorry, can't this do this. This is absolutely diabolical behaviour. I'm sorry, but Pierce spouts off on a regular basis and we all have to sit there and listen. Hang on. Just let me clap that man. He deserves it so much. The hero that we needed today. He really is. The best bit of that is him just storming off. And because it's such a long stage because they're all spaced out for COVID, <laughs> he had the longest walk. Really and so Alex Berovitz just doing his monologue to the camera and you can just see Piers Morgan's like suited body just like strutting like a little angry toddler behind all of their chairs until he finally makes it off stage in a half. And in even better news, a statement was released today saying, following discussions with ITV, Piers Morgan has decided now is the time to leave Good Morning Britain. ITV has accepted his decision and has nothing further to add. So I think he's on that show for about eight years. So it is a big deal for him to leave. Obviously, a lot has gone on behind the scenes. But I think that this particular outburst around Meghan Markle and Prince Harry following the last four years where he has just had an onslaught of public criticism for them was the last straw. Well, if you watch that extended clip of when he is just completely losing his shit, it just didn't feel right. We just watched this really serious interview and he is just making kind of no sense, just really not making any actual good points. He was just basically citing the fact that he can't believe them because they tell us not to believe their allegations. So why should we believe theirs? And I think that everyone collectively has just grown a little bit more after this documentary. And if you're going to be criticizing them, there needs to be a bit more there. And it's interesting because there is such a marketplace for his commentary around Meghan Markle, which has really been the sole focus of his career for the last four years. He cultivated a brand out of it. Exactly. He writes multiple columns for the Daily Mail every month on Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and their family, and each one is slamming them. He does radio spots about them. His Twitter feed is full of abuse towards them. He regularly appeared on Good Morning Britain slamming them. And so a lot of the time people are talking about this toxic media culture around Harry and Meghan. So much of it has been led by Mm. him because he has this huge following in the UK and also internationally, like Australian media always picks up on what he's talking about. What makes this whole thing even creepier and more disturbing, if it could even get that after watching that clip of him, is what is actually the catalyst for his hatred against Meghan Markle. Because he doesn't dislike her because he thinks that she's bringing down the British monarchy or she's a bad wife to Harry or he's lying. He is angry at her because they had a sort of friendship relationship that became quite murky and then she cut him off because of his behaviour. And this whole thing has just been a scorned man who can't stand the fact that a powerful woman walked away from him and turned him down. That's the the catalyst for this whole situation. Yeah, so let's take this back to the beginning because I want to get really clear on just why he has this kind of vendetta against them. I know that there was some kind of Twitter friendship and then they met in person for a drink and then she never returned his calls and then that was kind of why he hated her? Yes. So if you cast your mind all the way back to 2015. Uh, (laughs) Chime music. So Piers Morgan, obviously, big media personality then. And allegedly, I mean, he has shared the screenshots, so we do know it's true. They followed each other on Twitter. And then she messaged him and said, like, thanks so much for the follow. I'm a really big fan of yours. And then they messaged back and forth, both publicly and privately, on and off. And the catalyst was that he was a huge Suits fan, he said, allegedly. And they would talk about that a lot and talk about different issues. 
And then in the summer of 2016, Meghan Markle was coming to UK to watch her BFF Serena Williams play at Wimbledon. And Piers Morgan says that she messaged him directly and said, hey, I'm in town. Do you want to meet up? And he's acting like he was super casual about it. And he just said, like, come to my local pub and we'll have a pint together. So they met up at the pub and Meghan Markle has never refuted this. So it's kind of understood that this drinks meeting did happen. Mm -hmm. And they had drinks for an hour or so. And according to Piers Morgan, who has just rung this one small one-time meeting out over the years, he's written multiple columns about it, talked about it. He's done full reenactments of it on TV. He said they talked about their families, their life, her career. And one of the big things they talked about was dating because he said that she was newly single and some guy was being very persistent about messaging her and she wasn't quite sure and that he was giving her advice. So he kind of painted himself as this very kindly friend who took her out in the big city when she was in London and looked after her. He even goes on to say that he said to her, like, what are your plans for the rest of the night? And she said that she was going to this exclusive private members club in London. And so he like put her in an Uber, like he ordered an Uber for her and set her off on her way. And he's now traced that back to the fact that that's the night that she went to that members club to meet Prince Harry. And so right. after that, so he's really inserted himself into this narrative that he's not it's really a so part annoying. of. so annoying. No wonder she's annoyed at everyone just inserting themselves into her life. Exactly. And so he had all these things to say afterwards. Like he was very publicly tweeting and talking about the fact that, you know, his statements say that she's such a nice person, that Meghan Markle. That's what's so refreshing about her. She's confident, nice, normal, smart and talented. And then he even wrote when it came out that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were engaged, he had already already started to say that she wasn't returning his messages, but he was still trying to get in with her. And he wrote some article saying like, congratulations to Megan and Harry. And he's like, even Harry, even though you ruined my friendship with Megan, like he kind of like you stole her away from me that night. And he was very much angling for a um, invitation to the royal wedding. So this is the kind of time where he was kind of had one foot on each side of the fence. He was putting out some articles and tweets sort of saying that she had ghosted him a little bit and it was a bit uncertain, but also saying that Prince Harry was so lucky to have her and she was amazing. Like the tone of his kind of attitude around her was so vastly different. That's wild that you're saying that. Like I had no idea that he was that Honestly, you should see these tweets. Like his Twitter timeline is so different now to what it was back then. I mean, look at all those pages that I've screenshot there and it's like, congrats, Meghan and Harry. Meghan Markle is an amazing actress. Is it wrong that my sole interest in Pippa Middleton's wedding is what Meghan Markle is wearing? Wait, so even at the time when she was going to Pippa's wedding, he he was was still favourable to her. Yeah. Hi, Meghan Markle. I have a vital question to ask you on behalf of all British subjects. Where's the next series of Suits? He's retweeted articles that she's written saying that she's amazing. Everyone should read this. So happy that this is happening. Like, honestly, it's just a deluge of... And she's not replying to him at this stage. It's just this one-sided thing where he's filling his Twitter account with messages about her. So it's kind of stalkerish. So when does everything change and when does he flip the script? Well, he doesn't get invited to the royal wedding. So he doesn't get invited (laughs) and he throws a little tantrum. He's throwing a bit of a tantrum. And then his public stance changes very much. And then he starts writing and gives these interviews where he says that she's deliberately cut 
everyone in her life off, her friends, her family, former work people, all in favor of these famous people. And he's including himself with her close friends and family that have been cut out. So he said, we've now seen dozens of other people say they too were ghosted by Megan. We all got frozen out. She reached a loftier place and has no room for people like us. It raises a few alarm bells that she was prepared to just cut people. She did it to her ex-husband. Now she's done it to almost all of her family which he's included himself in. Like, this is really disturbing behaviour. It really is. The thing is, I only kind of clocked onto his commentary around her when he was saying what you just said then, that she was a social climber and didn't have room in her life for other people. But even if we kind of track that along with what she said in her interview, it's very clear that once you're in the royal family, a lot of what you can do is kind of cut off. So it tracks that maybe she lost touch with people, not her family. I mean, her mother was there the whole time. But that does kind of track but does it matter also maybe she saw his true colors during this one drink meeting they had yeah like, or they and just like why are you stalking few, me publicly yeah and they just exchanged a few twitter messages before then maybe when she met him she saw that he was like a despicable a a human being or maybe she just kind of came i mean there's so many things maybe we never she know. got the ick at the drink meeting oh like, she i don't want to be friends with you because <laughs> you're creepy and maybe she saw how he is seen in the uk like you know sometimes like from the us like you wouldn't know exactly how bad yes. someone is but he's not just known for saying despicable things about her like he's well known as like a media troll yeah and says like even Jamila Jamil has come out this week and given statements about the fact that things that Piers Morgan has said about her over the years and his relentless trolling of her and this media kind of force that he rallied against her in the UK caused her to be yeah, suicidal he's particularly mean to her I forgot exactly. about that there's a lot of women in the public eye that are very outspoken that he has had vendettas against over the years so maybe Meghan Markle saw that and was like hold up this guy cannot be in my inner circle and he's definitely not coming to the wedding. And so that's when the onslaught began, just kind of after that. So even up until like 2018, when it was like the run up to the royal wedding, he was still hedging his bets a little bit that he might get an invite. Like a last And he was, invite. yeah, exactly. Like maybe they'd bump Oprah for him. <laughs> and so he wrote columns like, Meghan Markle's foolish father only has himself to blame for missing his daughter's big day. And then two months later, so after the wedding, he kind of saw that the door had been shut. That's when the switch really flips. And all of his columns are calling her a nasty person. He's already started bullying allegations all the way back then, like when that kind of that whole Meghan Markle made Kate Middleton cry situation was really rising up in the media. And he would write columns like, if you're a true humanitarian, Meghan, show some damn heart to your family and just... I calculated, it's like hard to get an exact number, but he has written hundreds, absolutely hundreds of columns about her over the years. Like he was clocking at least two a week for a while there, just solely big thousand word tirades against what a terrible person she was. And they all just got such kind of, you know, reach, like people would share them and retweet them. So it's not like he was alone in this, like people were really feeding into this vendetta. And people were kind of thinking that he was on because he's always like I'm here to protect the queen like that's what I'm here for and so his headlines were like Harry and Meghan are grasping selfish deluded royal hustlers Harry and Meghan should stop behaving like whiny spoiled brats Harry and Meghan are the world's most tone-deaf hypocritical narcissistic deluded whiny brats Meghan Markle is a ruthless social climbing actress and he's saying he's doing this in defense of the queen it's just insane because it's that old age tale of, you know, a woman 
politely rebuffing a man, whether that be in a romantic way or a friendship way or something like that, and him just not being able to deal with that, so then personally attacking her. I think all women can relate to that kind of storyline if you've been out in a club or perhaps you've been at work or whatever situation it is, and then that person turning on you really horribly when they don't get what they want, whatever it was that he wanted. But I think the other really interesting point of this is is that He's obviously been doing that for years now and people who have closely followed him would have seen him switch from being really positive and saying really lovely things about her to then being horrible and trying to take her down. And, you know, we've seen all of the retrospective media commentary lately, or not even media commentary, just us as an audience looking back at the way media have treated young, famous women in the past, particularly most recently with the Framing Britney Spears documentary, even bringing in the clips that are widely circulating about Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, and then even you and I spoke about Kim Kardashian pointing out those unfavorable headlines about her weight when she was growing a human inside of her. And it just makes me think, like, yesterday I said, I don't know if it will make a difference. But seeing what's happened in the last 24 hours, maybe there is hope. Maybe we are at that point where we can no longer ignore how horrible the media is being to certain women, and in this case, Meghan Markle, and maybe there will be change. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good way to look at it. But I just think the kind of the, the big point is the same takeaway here is that this whole media vendetta that's come from this powerful person has all come from the fact that it is literally a scorned man who's been turned down by a powerful yeah. woman. Like that's what you're saying, and it has fueled his career and a whole worldwide media movement yeah. around it. And he's just that angry guy, like you're saying in the pub, who gets angry because you refuse a drink from him. He's that guy that you have go on one date with and then politely say like I'm not interested who then trash talks all your friends and starts sending you abusive messages. We're seeing that play out on like a worldwide scale at this point. And I just think that people are so hung up on like whether Meghan Markle is telling the truth and is she a good person? And I was like, look sideways to the man who's like fueling that media behind her and where this is coming from. And that's where the real issue lies. Well, thank you so much for listening to our 400th episode of The Spill today. And thank you for supporting us, even if you've been here since the beginning, maybe if you've just picked us up in the last two weeks. We love it and we love doing the show for you every single day. While you're listening today, what better way to celebrate the 400th episode by leaving us a review and maybe even subscribing so you never miss an episode. This episode of The Spill was produced by Maddie Joanno and Laura Brodnick with audio production by Leah Porges. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.